welcome to Reach the Corner Fate. I'm joined with Pavlos Rufos, who is a PhD candidate at uh, University of uh, University Kassel in um, Kassel, obviously. And um, uh, obviously, with uh, if anyone's been paying attention to the news, yesterday there was a massive uh, uh, sentencing of Golden Dawn as a party and members of Golden Dawn for crimes that they committed. And um, we have... Uh, Pavlos, uh, your your research is about uh, Greece post financial crisis. You have a book written about it as well, and um, we thought it'd be a good idea to have you on and discuss, uh, yeah, kind of Golden Dawn as this entity and what's so important then about it. So I guess first and foremost, um, what makes Golden Dawn more? Um, I mean, Greece obviously is notorious for having right wing movements throughout its entire history since um, you know the Civil War. Uh, up until now, but Golden Dawn was a massive organized movement that appeared probably within like the last two or three decades. So how would you like break it down since like what is Golden Dawn's backstory really? Right. Well, um, yeah, as you said, um, there is a history of um, right wing and extreme right wing movements in Greece for a long time. Um, one shouldn't forget that the end of the Second World War meant that the, the right wing was in charge of Greece and imposed its own kind of form of authoritarian democracy, if we can call it democracy, for a long, long time. Um, and they had like a full hegemony. And uh, alongside and inside those parties, there were always uh, there were always like extreme right wing elements that were usually integrated and absorbed by them. <clears throat> um, Occasionally, they would they would they would rise to the surface, as is the case of the, the military dictatorship, um, and then they would eventually, um, um, with the more to the background, but always kind of present, and specifically in 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 very particular um, geographically particular places of Greece, they always had like stronger support. Um, so this is more or less the background uh, where um, where Golden Dawn comes from. That their leader, who was uh, sentenced along with the others yesterday, Michal Olyakos, um, he was actually um, a, a close friend and collaborator of the um, military dictatorship. Um, he was one of the people who created a political formation right after the fall of the dictatorship that um, supported them. He was actually, in fact, um, accused of taking part in violent actions. I think he was accused of um, participating in some bombing campaigns that the right would dig in the kind of like um, difficult years of transition from 1974 when the dictatorship collapsed all the way to, let's say, 1981 when you have a change of scenery with the election of the um, PASOK, the, the kind of uh, social democratic socialist um, party. This is the moment when things are changing um, on an official level and, and widely. It's, it's the moment, let's say, that uh, for the first time in Greek history in the post-war period, the left is more or less recognized as um, an official uh, force. Until that moment, even, even in, until the, the mid-80s, we have stories of people in, in villages, especially in those like, very right-wing areas, who would um, be afraid to go to the coffee um, house in the village square with a left newspaper under their arm. So these these kind of situations were very much present. And Mihaloliakos comes from this kind of background. Um, in the early 80s, he formed this um, political formation, which was called Golden Dawn. And it was just like a small group, completely marginal group of um, fascists and Nazis, right? That's maybe something that's quite significant to 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 say from the very start. And it's also something that separates Golden Dawn from other similar kind of movements um, and tendencies in, in Europe and, and the world. They are explicitly Nazi, right? From the very beginning, um, all their newspapers, their journals, they have um, Hitler on the cover, they have swastikas, they have Rudolf S., they have, you know, all those, the paraphernalia of, of like Nazi ideology. So they're explicitly Nazi from the beginning. And... Um, but there's a small group that is mostly um, doing, um, their, their activities are mostly confined to attacking leftists and, um, and squatters and people like that. We have to remember that Greece was not a, a destination for migrants, right? Um, until the 90s, Greece was a, was a country that sent migrants to other places. And, and this, of course, changes from the 90s onwards. 
So most of their attacks were against like leftists and squatters and anarchists. Of course. Um, yeah, one thing I, I wanted to ask too, I think, um, is the um, you mentioned how the sense that Golden Dawn is explicitly neo-Nazi. They have, you know, their magazines uh, had, as you mentioned, just explicitly would have swastikas, um, you know, very proudly open. I, 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 there's a bunch of pictures of um, uh, uh, Nikolaos Mich- uh, was it Mikaliakos. Uh, Mikhailoyakos, yeah, it's a, it's a hard name. Yeah, yeah. Um, just <laughs> adorned completely in like an SS uniform, kind of cosplaying being a Nazi and stuff. But um, there is there is kind of this, um, at least from my research on Greece, I, I, I wrote my 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 my, my uh, bachelor thesis about the the um, post war period of Greece. Um, there was like like right like far right fascist tendencies though are like quite normal as you said in Greece. So the idea that Golden Dawn would exist then in this this kind of milieu of of other right wing movements. Um but then also simultaneously there is this like um like rose colored glasses obviously too from the right of looking at World War Two as well. Like that they won't admit that they were like collaborators, this and that and that, or they're that they were fascist. But Golden Dawn owns that up entirely. Like they're um I know that I've seen, you know, documentaries and stuff where they just kind of show the books that they own and how they're proud that their grandparents were a part of, you know, the collaborationist uh, the collaborationist government of Greece as well. Which is not a common thing either really in Greece too, is that people just openly uh praising the Nazis and whatnot. So, um, so um, yeah, you mentioned that then Golden Dawn. Uh, oh, sorry, you can you can continue. I'm sorry. No, I mean um, this is what, what you described is true, but um, you have to keep in mind precisely because it is not commonly accepted to be a collaborator of the Nazis. Um, this is one of the reasons, like even amongst the right wing, even amongst the extreme right wing, because extreme right wing in Greece, as in other countries, it takes different forms. So you have a lot of people who are royalists, you know, in favor of the king. You had other people, monarchists, you know, there's a kind of different dimensions. And a lot of them um, would be explicitly patriotic, right? Mm-hmm. So they would not support the foreign occupation, obviously, by, yeah. by a foreign country. So that kind of differentiates the, Nazi, the, um, the neo-Nazi ideology of Golden Dawn precisely because they're the first ones to actually own up to this idea that, no, Hitler was right, you know, yeah. and it, things would have been much better for Greece if we had collaborated more and if Hitler had won. So that's the kind of thing. And that is also what makes them very marginal, right? Because yeah. it's, it's, it is simply... It's simply non-acceptable from in the, in the whole wide spectrum of political ideologies of Greece to be actually in favor of such a position. Um, but they kept it low because they kept it among themselves. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s, the, 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 the Golden Dawn was not being sold, uh, the magazine or the journal was not being sold um, in, in the kiosks or the bookshops, right? It was, it, was, it was sent by post to subscripted members and it was very kind of uh, marginal. And one of the reasons was precisely this this, the, the inability of having a mass appeal in Greece, a country that suffered a lot under the German occupation, um, you know, the inability of having a mass appeal on the basis that the, this that the occupation was actually uh, favorable for Greece. Yeah. But it has, to do, it has to do a lot with the anti-communism that's related to it, right? This is one of the reasons that they are um, um, yeah, talking about the, the benefits of Hitler. Yeah. Uh, so I guess like a, a that's that's a perfect uh, kind of uh, you know uh, thing into my next question of then how did Golden Dawn kind of become more I mean at one point they were the third largest party in Greece so what was then their transformation from being this fringe neo Nazi organization who openly expressed themselves with swastikas so on and so forth uh, you know praising Rudolf Hess Adolf Hitler to then becoming the party that then um, you know becomes quite powerful and becomes an actual political force within Greece. It's no longer this, like, you know, Nazi cosplaying organization with the magazine. They they become a political entity. Well, um, this is a very interesting question and a long story, so I'm going to try to cut it, like, pretty short. Um, no because I think, because I think, yeah, I think um, there is still a lot of research to, to, to be done, but um, that, that would explain it in, in full. But, um, we, we could just say this, until 
more or less the beginning of the crisis in Greece, right? They remained a marginal group um, that, as I said, was mostly, um, its activities con consisted mostly of um, attacking, um, brutally attacking, violently attacking leftists, anarchist quarters, people like that, and of course migrants uh, after a certain point. Um, these were very significant um, attacks. So a lot of people, um, I can say for myself, and I can, I can testify for, for a whole generation of people, got politicized because of such things. Like a lot of people became actively involved in politics because of things uh, that Golden Dawn did, even though they were marginal. So you had like in, in, in 1991 and 92, uh, a series of attacks um, and stabbings of people that brought like thousands of pupils in the streets you know, um, and, and got them in contact with the kind of political activities that would later kind of determine them as well. Um, apart from the lefties who got attacked and then the anarchists who, who also got attacked, but the difference between the two being that the anarchists actually organized self-defense and they, they, they fought back, right? Mm -hmm. um, most of the, 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 the wider political spectrum didn't pay any attention to the Golden Dawn at all. Most people would not even have heard of them um, until, you know, the late 2000s and 2010. Um, one of the reasons for that was, of course, that has to be acknowledged again, and it was, it was quite significant in terms of the trial that happened. Um, they had, like, um, full support from specific departments within the police, right? So whenever there was a case like that, it was never, um, it was either not... Um, um, there was no, no one was being charged. There were no um, police arrests. There was, there was nothing happening um, in, in that level. So, so these cases became marginal and they, they were often seen as a kind of infighting between, you know, the kind of extreme groups of society. Um, in 2010, that starts to change because you have a crisis which, among other things, um, creates a, a serious crisis of legitimacy. Right, um, crisis of legitimation of all existing kind of mediations like political parties, trade unions, mass media. Everyone in Greece has this feeling that you know the whole world, the, the consensus, consensus upon which Greek society is kind of built and functions is like crumbling. So any kind of you know existing mediation, um, like being a member of a political party, having some kind of clientelist relationship that helps you with your job. Um, being a member of a trade union that gives you some benefits, trusting the mass media, all of that collapses because there's like this onslaught of austerity out of nowhere. And, and, and all these political parties in one way or another, with some few exceptions, they go along for the ride. Because throughout the whole austerity um, situation in Greece, you had like the, a lot of political parties who would join as coalition partners and, you know, they essentially, you know, facilitate and accelerate austerity. So this is what happens. Um, and even Syriza that became one of those parties. So around that time, um, you have like the, um, the, the, the initiation that brings Golden Dawn to the, to the foreground is their ability to manipulate a specific situation in a very rundown area of Athens. I use the lead on us, where they decide to set base because they see that there's a there's kind of an ongoing friction friction there happening because I guess the is one of those places that's really run down. It has a lot of refugee population, of course, because it's the cheapest kind of possible way for them to find some kind of housing, and it creates some kind of friction frictions with the with the, some of the local population, right? By no means all of them, but with some. So Golden Dawn takes advantage of that and tries to initiate its own kind of like neo-Nazi racist kind of um, activities. And they manage to earn a, a specific amount of support in that area. And that translates into them getting elected in the, law, in the municipal council in 2010, right? And from there, like they get immediate access to a wider kind of, um, you know, spectrum of, you know, they, they get a wider audience because there's like cameras there, you know, people who have known them, you know, start talking about, well, the Golden Dawn is very dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And then they see the images of these people with their suits going into the municipal council and, and supposedly, you know, representing the, the, the constituents who have had enough of everything. And, you know, you have the occasional Nazi salute and things like that. So it creates a kind of, you know, 
media is like, likes this kind of spectacular kind of expressions. So they, they become like bigger. And then you have a whole effort of a certain type of, of establishment and media and uh, some kind of institutional support to a certain extent as well, which, which starts working in a way that presents Golden Dawn as something other than a neo-Nazi organization, mm-hmm. right? So you have, for the next couple of years, you have a series of like articles like, oh, you know, they're just part of a citizen's committee. They're helping out like people. They're helping old ladies who are afraid mm-hmm. of crime. They're helping, you know. So this is mechanism that's being run and it's not by them, right? It's, it's from official, like quite often very mainstream part, um, like parts of the media or journalists. So this, this image has been created that they are, they're basically doing social work, right? Um, and in areas that, you know, the official government has abandoned. So that's how they start to get, like, more and more fiction. But they remain partly because they're Nazis and they're basically thugs, right? They're not, these are not politicians. They're not trained. Um, they, re- they retain this kind of aggressive attitude of, like, you know, not giving a fuck about anything and being, like, very much out there. And that attracts a lot of people who are um, very dissatisfied with the situation, very dissatisfied with the crisis, completely disillusioned about the possibility of like ending austerity. And here come these thugs who say, we're going to beat our way, you know, through this and, 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 and focus on those who are, um, you know, like migrants or leftists, all these people who are like standing in the way and Democrats and liberals yeah. and whatever, you know, everyone, you know, the whole corrupt political system, typical like fascist language. We have to keep in mind that most of the people who support them at that point and who continue to support them are already right-wing people. We're not talking about just random, apolitical, left, whatever, you know, people from all sides of life. It's like they they are already right-wing people and there are people who so far have been accommodated by right-wing parties as they existed, either New Democracy or the more right-wing like Laos or, or the um, other extreme right-wing parties that were slightly more respectable and in parliament already in some cases. So, so they, they start draining voters away from the, from the right-wing and they manage to present themselves as anti-systemic because they do not act as a systemic party, right? Yeah. They, 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 they go on with like, um, you know, they make assault squads, they, they go on attacking people, they never managed to to fully integrate, you know, <laughs> into the political system, and um, and then this is a, kind of a key a, a key aspect to understand why eventually in 2013 New Democracy decides to to start this trial against them. Like it's one of the key reasons a lot of the New Democrats, like um, politicians who are now in, in government again, they are since yesterday speaking about how this historical moment of the of the the end of the trial and the and the and the conviction is because of them right yeah and of course to a certain extent there's an element of truth because they started the trial they started the prosecutions they brought these 33 um different cases and charges to the prosecutor but the reason why they did it is quite significant and i think it was pretty obvious there's like two points that i would like to 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 stress one is that they realized in in 2000 um 12 Golden Dawn already had 7% of the vote. Right? 7% is a lot, it's more than 400,000 votes. Yeah. And as I said, most of these votes would have gone to New Democracy. So in a situation where everyone is struggling to get like a, you know, ahead of oh. the percentages, they were gaining more and more strength as the time was, was passing. So one of the elements is that. The other important element and it's something that I haven't seen discussed a lot around, is that the, the, main, the massive mobilizations against austerity more or less ended in 2012. Between 2010, when you have the beginning of the crisis, and 2012, I would say February, um, March, you had like more than 18 general strikes. February the 2012 is the last general strike you have in Greece. So what you have is like the, the social movements are receding Right, they have kind of accepted defeat, and 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 everyone is kind of disillusioned and thinking that this is not um, mass movements and mobilization is not the way to stop austerity. When that happens, um, 
a lot of people from who have been politicized to the crisis or who have been political even before, activists from the left and anarchists, they turn their attention to Golden Dawn because it has become, you know, the, 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 so the, there's, a, there's a kind of like a, a renewed attention into the anti-fascist movement that was somehow overshadowed by the massive, you know, strikes and, and, and riots and protests against austerity. And then when all of that is kind of like the, the social movements against austerity are, are kind of receding in the background, anti-fascism becomes like a bigger thing and gets more focus. And then in 2013, you have the assassination of Pablo Jesus, right? Um, when that happens, there's a real fear in the government that it triggers such a reaction, right? And such a protest. There's immediately a demonstration with, I think, more than 15 or 20,000 people immediately the day after or something around the area where he was murdered. And I think they, the new democracy has this real fear that this could be, this could ignite a new round of social movements because austerity is continuing. You know, the, the Troika is kind of still pushing for the imposition of like structural reforms. And even though it's been a year since not much has happened and there's kind of disillusionment, there's this fear that this is going to trigger a huge kind of backlash. So on the one hand, you know, they think that they're losing votes. They realize that they're losing votes. On the other hand, they're afraid that there's going to be a new explosion of social movement. And I think these are the two key events that force them to say, okay, we've had enough of Golden Dawn. We're going to take them to court and we're going to try to do it um, as effectively as possible. Yeah, that was one thing I actually wanted to ask about too, because Golden Dawn had their moment, like you said, in, in 2013. Um, but we see like the last elections in Greece, which were 2019, Golden Dawn lost a bunch of seats. Uh, kicked out of national parliament um, and new democracy ends up as, you know, the clear victor of the last Greek, the last elections in Greece. Um, Some argue, obviously, the failures of Syriza, which are obviously uh, from the start were were apparent, but um, there are, like, 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 as you mentioned, there are a few characters just from, from, who've been in in, uh, new democracy for a while. Uh, I believe he's the current minister of um, the uh, the uh, uh, is it Minister of Health or the uh, uh, um, I was thinking Ausland's Minister. What's the English word? A foreign, foreign minister. Oh, the foreign minister. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, who was a book salesman uh, who sold very questionable books online, uh, not online on on, t- on, on TV. Um, has made quite anti-Semitic statements, and that's just one of. And he he was the vice president of the party at one time as well. Oh, yeah, if I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's huge now, but he was yeah. a complete fascist. <laughs> yeah, and, complete and fascist. never never left never left New Democracy. Um, these these feelings were already then like the sentiment of these ultra right wing tendencies were already ingrained in a party, and I can totally understand them the perspective of them wanting to come back and then you know. They're, what Greece is doing currently with the with the new democracy government is doing right now is uh I would say kind of proof of that is that they just wanted a li- like a, a liberal legitimization of this type of force and golden dawn was preventing that so like the uh um uh the 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 uh, yeah they the idea that, that, like, for me personally with yesterday, it was kind of the sense of that I would like to pretend that there's, like, a, a new awakening of an anti-fascist attitude within Greece, but simultaneously, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, kind of like, like like the sense of this is so deeply ingrained within Greece, uh, within Greece's right especially. What is, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I still don't really know how to process this properly is the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me, let me try and, and, and kind of like um, catch that, that thread that you, you, you seem to be saying. Um, yes, the, the um, one element that also explains the, the decision to go, um, you know, to charge Golden Dawn and try to like effectively banish them um, has to do with the fact that your democracy was very much concerned about not just voters leaking away, but they were concerned about people like uh, Yoriadis or mm-hmm. Makis Voridis, a very important figure. He was also like openly um, fascist. Um, he was in charge of a, of, a, of a political party, in fact, that was created by the dictator Papadopoulos, who was in prison. And yeah. <clears throat> he took over leadership when, when um, you know, in the 70s. He was, he's a known fascist. Yeah. New people Democracy all, also was a, I mean, New Democracy literally started as a fascist party as a like Greek rallied in the 50s, wasn't it? Or in the 60s? 
They're the spawn um, of a of a weird kind of. I wouldn't. I, I I don't know if the characterization fascist is is proper for new democracy. Um, I mean, new democracy officially with that name was created um, after the dictatorship. Yeah. Before that, uh, it was called the uh, Ere. It was a different kind of party. I would I would call it like authoritarian right. It's it's kind of okay, a different yeah. period and a different. Um, they're very much, you know, pro-West, uh, anti-communist. Um, you know, they 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 oversaw, you know, the, the complete um, process of like exiling, imprisoning, mm-hmm. even executing like members or suspected members and family members of like communists. So th- th- there's definitely a strain of authoritarian yeah. right-wing uh, stuff. But fascist is not necessarily. They, they would, as any other authoritarian right-wing movement, they would have fascistic elements yeah. and fascistic expressions, but. But anyway, let's let's not get stuck with terminology that much. Um, It's true that there there were a lot of people who were um, openly on the extreme right um, corner of politics who were either members of the democracy or became eventually. Because like the the one who is minister now, who used to sell books, that kind of clown, and Boridis, the other people, they they were in other parties. And then they joined New Democracy later on during the crisis years. also an opportunity for like personal advancement, right? You make your career when you, if you're stuck in a marginal fascist party, you don't have much chance, but now, you know, they're, they're, they're proper ministers. Um, so the, these people now meeting with, you know, yeah, across the world. I mean, it's, there's an element of like, of, of absolute comedy in, in all yeah. these things. If these people were not so dangerous, I mean, Yuriades continued to sell his books and, and even he sold other random things. Like, I don't know, not medicine, but like, you know, this weird stuff you get on like late night TV where you yeah. like, you wear this kind of like vest that's supposed to, <laughs> increase, to, to, to improve your blood pressure. He, he continued doing that even when he was fucking minister. Right. <laughs> this is like, this is the, like, I have to be honest, like on a personal level, when that specific person became minister in 2012, that's really one of the reasons that I left Greece. It's like I could not <laughs> sustain being in a country that has that person as a minister, minister of health, you know, a person who's going to make decisions that are going to affect the, the, the lives and, and the health situation of millions of people for years to come, like in the midst of a crisis. Yeah. And, uh, kind of extreme, complete clown was, was main minister. So that, that was itself, you know, quite a shock. Back to, to Golden Dawn. I mean, yes, these people um, that were already in, in New Democracy were already kind of fascist. They, they had like different party formations. So they had openly extreme right-wing views, but they were not Golden Dawn-type neo-Nazis. So, no, they were, the, know, violence, the violence the violence and stuff like that was obviously absent for the most part with all these other groups. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, they... they you know, they, these people are opportunistic. Like they, they, they believe in certain things. They're anti-Semitic. They're, you know, of course, like fascist in, in many of their views. But at the same time, you know, they wanna they wanna have like you know stable income. They wanna have like increase their um, the kind of wealth. You know, you can't do that if you dedicate yourself to going around Athens and, and chasing like anti-fascists and, yeah. and migrants, right? So. Um, so there's an element of opportunism in them, but it's also, I mean, we have to be, we have to be honest about it and fair um, because we don't gain anything from not being. So they're not neo-Nazis, right? Yeah. Uh, there are differences between mm-hmm. like, you know, being an authoritarian fascist and being a proper neo-Nazi who adores Hitler and Rudolf Hell. So, so there were these kind of conflicts and to, to the extent that you have these kind of people um, inside your democracy, they would draw all the votes of the, um, you know, the fascist population. Once you had a party like Gondon, that as soon as it became a party, right, it renounced its kind of Nazism. You couldn't see any swastikas anymore. Um, you would have to dig in to actually find them. Like one of their key members has a swastika tattoo on his shoulder. That became kind of obvious when he went swimming. <laughs> so there were wasn't, it, wasn't it Elias Kassidiaris, Kassidiaris, the one who slapped yeah. the, uh, um, the member of the Communist Party on live TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kassidiaris, yeah. He's yeah. the one. He has a swastika, you know, and, and once, once they were arrested after the, 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 the process started in 2013, they found like thousands of documents and pictures of them in, like, as you said, SS uniforms and other kind of Nazi symbols. So 
it was there, but it was not open, you know, because yeah, even even they recognize that if you want to be a party and, and be representative of a wider part of the population of Greece, you can't just, you just can't do that. By, you by can't be a neo-Nazi. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, <laughs> it doesn't really work, right? So part of their whole campaign, and until this day, is to denounce and, and, yeah. and reject the idea that the Nazis, which is, of course, absolute nonsense. And it's kind of, it's good that, um, you know, at, today everyone can recognize it. Because, you know, there was this time around 2012-13 where a lot of people were saying, well, you know, we're not Nazis. They're not Nazis. You shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't treat them like that. And well, That uh, was they, one of the yeah. weirdest things, too, with them as well, is around that time is they, they also start trying to um, attract the diaspora population into their movement as well with that same thing of that we're trying to defend Greece. We are explicitly not a neo-Nazi movement. We're just a party that cares about Greece. So there's a massive, not massive, I guess, but there's a, a chapter of Golden Dawn in like Australia, if I'm not mistaken, as well, that really bought into this new... Um, you know, this new identity that Golden Dawn wasn't this. And they can vote in Greek elections as well, too, which is even crazier. And, and you know. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the diaspora of Greeks, I mean, as in, in many other countries, people who live in different countries but are still retain some kind of connection, they tend to be much more sentimental mm-hmm. and much more openly nationalist about their identity then these people, I think the same people, if they lived in Greece, they wouldn't have the same kind no, of attitude. And at the moment, you know, at the moment, that, because they, they don't know, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect their everyday life, right? It's yeah. just like an identity that you carry around, but it doesn't matter um, mm-hmm. so much because your life is somewhere else. It's, it's Your social relations are different and so on. And you don't even come across the same kind of like, you know, arguments or counter-arguments that one would find in Greece. But um so yeah, Golden Dawn, as soon as they get elected, they get money from the, from the state, obviously, as every party. So they try to use that money in order to, you know, revamp their image and, and increase their, their support. And part of that strategy is creating kind of like um, chapters in different countries to show that they have some kind of internationalism. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the main framework within which they do that is to be openly nationalist, right? Yeah. Not Nazi, not national socialist, blah, 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 but nationalist to the extent that the Greek crisis gets translated, like the austerity imposition gets translated by a lot of people as an attack on Greece as a country. So it gets framed within a patriotic sentiment. And for that, the left also has a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Because a lot of people in the left, even like Syriza, but not only Syriza, they framed this um, austerity position not as part of a mechanism of... Um, if you want to call it neoliberalization, or I would say more like the, an attempt to impose, you know, the, the the kind of the fundamental structure of the eurozone in countries that were so far in the periphery and who managed to, um, you know, kind of evade certain of the of the key aspects of the Maastricht treaties and all that. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, this this whole austerity mechanism was translated inside Greece and outside sometimes, but inside was more significant as a specific attack on the nation as such. So when you have that, the only people who are seen to be fighting against austerity, fighting against the crisis, are the ones who declare themselves to represent the true nation. So one part was the Nazis. So their nationalist kind of rhetoric, you know, attracts a lot of people from the right and from the diaspora and whatever, you know, but people who, who, who want to frame this, um, you know, in such a way, and then part of it is from the left, you know, who end up in Syriza. There is a, there's a very strong history of, um, you know, open patriotism in the left in Greece, precisely because it is shaped through things like the civil war, yeah. uh, the Nazi occupation, and, and da da da. So um, there's a, there, there was there was almost like you know, it's not coincidental that these two parties, like the left from Syriza side, and and then the far right from the um, Golden Dawn became such significant kind of external players during that time, um, precisely because they, they managed to frame this not only as a, as a patriotic duty, but also within the context of like, how do we stop the crisis? We need a strong state that will defend its citizens from the abstract forces of the global economy, right? The Germans, the Eurozone, blah, blah, blah. You need a strong state that in Syriza's case is going to, you know, impose some kind of social democratic Keynesian kind of mm-hmm. rebalancing. 
And in, in, in Golden Dawn's case, I mean, although we can't really speak of a political program, it would more or less mean, you know, killing all the migrants, jailing all the left, um, and all these corrupt politicians and, you know, but both of them were kind of framed in this context of like, okay, we need the state to take care of its own citizens. And as soon as you have that, of course, when you have such a, such a formulation, the immediate result is like, so, so who are the non-citizens, right? Mm -hmm. And in the case of, of, of the Nazis, it was obviously the migrants yeah. and I those was, leftists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's actually a, a perfect segue into something, uh, again, like kind of where do we go from here, but the sense that this is a ruling, a state ruling about Golden Dawn being an illegal, not even a party, you know, criminal organization, this and that and that. Um, and from, I mean, at least my perspective on the left, and I'm assuming yours as well, um, from the last statement that you made is that the state can't really do anti-fascism. Like this really, like this is, this is something to see as, as, you know, justice being, you know, golden dawn, you know, receiving justice for their crimes, so on, so on and so forth. But the state really can't be the, you know, like, or, or courts and whatnot can't be the arbiters of, of anti-fascism. So what is... Um, so they can or they can't? They can't. You know, right. okay. the, I mean, I, I, at least that's the way that I see it, in the sense of that this decision was made um, within... There was a lot of speculation, too, because of how deep Golden Dawn's influence is within the state structures, within, you know, uh, some judges, uh, police, obviously, and military... Um, and the reaction, obviously, from the police yesterday to on protesters was very apparent to some that, you know, they were quite upset about the decision, possibly, uh, with the brutality against the anti-fascists. So from, you know, a more, I, I, I guess, perspective of, of being less dependent on the state for, you know, anti-fascist rhetoric, um, what is possibly then, then the movement forward from here? This is, I would say, um, it's it's not wrong, you know, to to see this as maybe a, a good day these people got justice, but it is still at the end of the day, Greece is still a right-wing country uh, in their government. The, the the overwhelming majority is, as we've kind of seen since um, the financial crisis has been teetering on some, as you mentioned, some form of nationalism one way or the other to address the crisis. And um, yeah, what is like, uh, or, or, or is this like a form of anti-fascism that we just don't maybe necessarily see Every day. Yeah. I mean, maybe well, you, I mean, you can counteract what I even asked her. Yeah, whatever. yeah. No, I would say, I mean, if we're honest, I, th I think it is anti-fascism. Oh, because yeah. like, anti-fascism is, um, is not necessarily, though it has been historically associated with it, it's not necessarily something that belongs simply to the left and, and let, mm -hmm. even less the radical left. Um, there are significant centrist, liberal, um, you know, even right-wing people who... who who would call themselves anti-fascist, and in many historical cases they were. So in this case, I would say it is um, an anti-fascist um, and pro-democratic kind of decision. Okay. Um, I don't think we can deny that. What what that means is, is something different. But um, but I don't think there's any there's any point in denying that. As I said, the reasons why New Democracy decided to, to do this charge and 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 attack Golden Dawn in, in a criminal way. Um, are, are quite specific, but the, it doesn't mean that they were not, um, you know, they were not also concerned with issues of fascism, of neo-Nazism in this kind of um, in this kind of way. Let me let me let me start from somewhere else to just to make a few things clear. Okay. Um, sure. Golden Dawn was not charged as a political party. Yeah. What what happened in the trial was something that um, I think we should acknowledge. The contribution from a constitutional um, professor called Nikos Alivizatos, because he wrote an article in 2013 or 14, um, before actually before they got arrested, and maybe it was even 2012. He wrote an article and said, "Listen, the only way to defeat Golden Dawn in Greece is to charge them as being a criminal organization, right? Because the constitution does not." Um, allow for banning a political party. There is no process to do that. It's considered unconstitutional. Um, you cannot try them in any other different way, but you can try them as a criminal organization, which is basically the law, the part of the law that deals usually with uh, organizations like mafia organizations, right? Mm -hmm. Once you do that, and this was the key thing of the whole trial, and this is the thing that kind of determined the whole trial and the outcome. Once you do that, that means that there's a specific organization that has a specific hierarchy, leadership, 
position and all that. And if you manage to sustain that charge in court and it gets accepted by the court, that means that the leadership of the organization gets automatically sentenced to, um, I think it's a minimum of 10 years up to 15, something like that, if no uh, mitigation is accepted. Even though you might have no specific proof that these specific leaders had anything to do with the specific criminal activity that's happened. So murder, you know, extortion. They were charged with the whole set of, like, you know, uh, parts of the of the criminal code. But once you establish that it's a criminal organization, then the leadership that takes up this charge is immediately sentenced, right? And this was, I think, the smartest and the, the, the best way of getting them, um, you know, to face what they faced eventually in the end. So... The party still exists, right? There's no way you can you can abolish that party unless they decide to dissolve it by themselves. Um, and it's it's something that ca- happened like today, and, and I want to mention it because it's kind of interesting. Is that there was there was a change in the penal law um, two years ago by Syriza itself, and this change today means that even the Golden Dawn members that are going to get sentenced and sent to jail do not get deprived of their political rights, which means that these people could run for elections again, even from inside prison, right? Oh, wow. It's kind of a peculiar situation. Yeah. And this is something that was changed by Syriza two, two years ago. The, the, the Minister of Justice of Syriza, who changed that, today resigned from the, the Central Committee of Syriza for that reason, right? Although it's kind of peculiar because like, he was the one who brought it in Parliament and voted yeah. for it, so he could have resigned back then. Resigning now is kind of obviously suspicious. But in any case, this is the, the law at the moment. And it's kind of a weird situation because it means these people could get sentenced. And it might, it, it looks like that doesn't mean the end of their political, um, you know, activity. Yeah, I was just, that was something I, I was just thinking of as well, is that then what Golden Dawn as an organization is having um, a hefty amount of people going to, to jail, as you said, could potentially continue their movement from jail as well um what does yeah exactly like like what does what does this look like then within the the sphere of how um greece is today like does does this mean anything like does will this this re-empower golden dawn um it it is kind of the massive anti-establishment thing from people on the right to maybe see them as being these you know oh like a right un you know unjustly charged for, I mean, obviously they were uh, charged on counts of murder and gun possession and stuff like that. Like, very bad things, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But some people could twist that. I mean, I, I'm just thinking of the context of how, like, in the United States or in Germany, that that um, solidifies that, that um, uh, anti-establishment take, is that you've literally gone to jail because the establishment sees you in this sense, it sees you as dangerous. Well, I mean, um, this is an interesting discussion. I think it's it's, it's very it's very worth talking about it, especially in relation to what happens in other countries or what might happen in the future. Because I think, in a certain way, the conclusion about whether you know such a criminal investigation makes martyrs out of these Nazis has already, to a certain extent, been resolved in Greece? And the answer is no. Because, like, as, as we said, the, the, the criminal charges against them started in 2013. So already back then, this is like seven years ago, right? Um, actually, they started like five and a half years ago, but the process was initiated, you know, yeah. the trial started five and a half years ago, the process was initiated immediately after Fisas was murdered, right? Back then, there was a lot of people who were saying, no, no, this is going to make them stronger. This is exactly what you said. This is going to prove yeah. that they're anti-systemic, the establishment is after them. But that's not really what happened, right? That's mm-hmm. not what happened. Because one of the key things about the, um, um, the Golden Dawn organization that has to do with its structure, its kind of criminal background and, and the way it understood itself and the, and the kind of the principle of the leader that leads everything is this. And this is quite important and it came out in the trial as well and it's quite significant about the, the, the result. Whenever anyone from Golden Dawn, any member, was accused of something, of some criminal activity, in the past, from the 90s until today, the party immediately denounced them and abandoned them because they wanted to make sure that they had no, you know, they they wanted to retain the good relationships they had with the police um, and they wanted to make sure, especially the leader, that he never gets affected by anything like that because he was never personally involved. Of course, he's he's an old 
fat guy. He, he, he wouldn't be, the, you know, he, he wouldn't be the one in the assault yeah. squads, right? Mm-hmm. So he wa- always wanted to make sure that he protects himself from it. So whenever anyone did anything like that, you know, they immediately abandoned him and denounced him and pretended they had nothing to do with him. This has happened repeatedly over the years. This was a way for them to protect themselves, right? And especially the leadership from any kind of possible troubles with the law. But it also meant that the loyalty you get from members is going to be diminished. Because if you're a hardcore, dedicated member of Golden Dawn and you go out and you attack and you stab people and you end up in jail and then you get abandoned by your own group, you're not going to be very fucking, you know, happy about that. (laughs) This is exactly what happened when they were arrested in 2013, 14. Loads and loads of members of theirs turned like uh, um, prosecution witnesses because precisely they, they knew and they felt that immediately they're going to be abandoned. You know, so the, the, there's this tendency, and I think it's, it exists in many right-wing, um, extreme right-wing movements, that in order to, to retain some sort of semblance of respectability and law-abiding kind of patriotic concern, um, they need to always kind of like, like filter out those elements that are the most kind of extreme or to get caught as being most extreme. Yeah. And that essentially means in the end that the, the, the kind of support and the social support is going to diminish because you, you basically, you get people involved in something that, you know, you get them engaged in violent activities, you get them, you know, dedicating their lives into something and then you immediately abandon them and that's just not going to look good for you. And that's what happened during the case. Some of the, the witnesses that turned against Gondon or they were like members, they were very crucial for managing to get this, you know, the kind of inside look at the structure of, you know, and how it was organized and how you could prove beyond any evidence that this was a criminal organization. Mm-hmm. A lot of these witnesses were quite crucial. And, and the fact that there were so many of them um, was quite significant. I mean, we're talking about 69 defendants in the case. Their witnesses were also like around 68, 69 defense witnesses. Although initially they had um, declared about 259. 260 okay, wow. witnesses. We're gonna we're gonna support them in court. In the end, it was only about 70 who testified, and most of them were the fucking relatives, right? <laughs> mother, the, the grandmother, just trying to create this idea that we we're all looking good, yeah. um, and these are nice people. So basically, we have to we have to admit that this specific way of dealing with Nazi organizations um, was quite effective. You know, because it, it also took advantage of the internal contradictions that exist in an organization that is between the law, uh, you know, in, in between kind of law and illegality. You know, when they have this structure that they continuously, you know, pretend that they don't know any of their members who get arrested, um, that's going to bite them in the, in the ass in the end, you know. And that was like one of the things that happened. It was quite significant. So it worked. And, you know, they managed to get, like, um, you know, the really bad sentences. We don't know exactly yet what's going to happen because the, I think the decision of how many years each one of them is going to spend um, is coming out now um, yeah. in, in the next few hours or something. I'm not exactly sure when. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen. But um, I think it's pretty safe to, to say that um, at least the leadership um, is going to get like you know quite a few years. The, the seven people who have been accused of being part of the hierarchical organization and, and at the top of the scale, um, although top of the ladder, they're, they're going to get like some um, quite a few years in sentencing. And of course, anyone else who was found guilty for criminal, you know, um, like severe criminal activities, like. The, the person who murdered Fisas and, and yeah. the support group and all these people, so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hear a lot of that. Um, what's gonna happen in 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 the end? Um, it's kind of unclear. I mean, there, there is some speculation that um, there might be a new law introduced now that would say that um, any any party that has been found to be a criminal organization can not run for elections anymore. You know, okay. There is no such law at the moment yeah. because <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but there might be, there's some speculation that there might be something like that just to make sure that they, um, you know, they stay out. But okay. Sorry. I, I, I drifted apart a bit. 
Back to oh, your no, question. No, no. It's perfectly fine. I actually, there's there's this one other thing that then I just wanted to kind of point out too is that then that is something that then's really interesting with Germany, is uh, a similar thing was done to try to ban the NPD a few years ago, and failed entirely because they didn't have enough political influence, you know. And I'm just I'm just kind of curious in the sense of that, um, what could then. Um, have, I don't know. It's just kind of like what what could then come of then also this this trial as well, within then other European countries that maybe have a problem like this with how to maybe like the state also then dealing with it, as well. Well, I mean, I would say what what the, what the case of Greece shows is that if there is a political will to do it, um, and the circumstances are there. And, and they take advantage of it, as they did, for their own reasons, there are ways to do it. So, for example, in Greece, as I said, the constitution does not allow banning a political party, but, you know, you could try them as a criminal organization. They did, and it worked. Um, similarly, in Germany, I think the constitution does allow yeah. for, for, you know, there is this kind of concept of militant democracy, which means anyone who is against democracy can be banned, and they have banned um, Nazi parties in the past and, and the Communist Party, of course. Um, that's how they did it. So they have the right to do it, but, um, you know, they're not... And I think there's been, there's been various attempts in the past to ban the NPD and other similar kind of neo-Nazi formations, um, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. Um, to be honest, if, 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 if I may, I would say that the biggest problem like the the biggest neo-Nazi problem or extreme right-wing problem in Germany is not located in the NPD. Oh, no, um, of course not. <laughs> you know, we have like, we have a, a whole series of like ever emergent cases of like networks of like Nazis within police departments, within the military forces. Um, yeah. Our, or, our listeners know, are very aware of that. I think our last three or four episodes have been about these networks of, of neo-Nazis in, in Germany specifically. And, and, and as I'm, I'm sure you, you, you've, you've always also commented on, it's, it's been treated as if each, each one of these is like an isolated case instead mm -hmm. of, you know, representing something deeper and, and, yeah. and, and, and a very potentially dangerous problem with Germany. Um, I would say still, of course, the history of Germany is specific. You know, it weighs a lot about... Uh, you know, on, on these considerations. But I would definitely say that if there was the political will and, and, the, and, the, and the necessity maybe at some point mm -hmm. to deal with them in a different way, all the legal instruments are there. You know, they're, they're, I don't think there's anything um, that has to be added or, or taken out in order to do if somebody wants to deal with it legally. But we shouldn't forget one other thing, which is another lesson from Greece. When the, as, as I'm sure most people have already seen by, by now, when the decision was going to be taken in court yesterday, there was about 40,000 people demonstrating outside. Yeah. This is quite significant. Throughout the whole trial, there was a dedicated, small but dedicated group of people who followed the trial on a daily basis, made reports, made sure that there was a, like a proper, coordinated effort to support the, 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 the lawyers and the legal teams. You know, there was a, there was a very significant support. And... The fact that in, in December 2019, the state prosecutor suggested that there is not enough evidence to find Golden Dawn as a criminal organization, right? So there was a tendency for the state prosecution itself to, to kind of destroy this, the whole case, yeah. you know, the whole framework within which they're based. I think it's quite significant to note that the, the, the tremendous pressure from below, the fact that you have, you have a court case being announced and you have 40,000 people outside, you know, yeah. that's quite significant. If you had a similar thing outside the NSU yeah. you know, case, for example, if you had 40,000 people there demonstrating, I think the results would have been different. There would have been, you know, a different kind of pressure to look into, you know, all these, you know, wider connections that this, this phenomena have and not simply remain with this kind of ridiculous idea of isolated cases. Course, um, yeah. Unfortunately, it seems that, you know, in Germany, you do not yet, you know, have this kind of tendency. And I think one of the reasons is that the, 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 the state mechanism is really concerned that if it starts digging, you know, where is it going to stop? 
Yeah. Right? I think that's one of their concerns um, that, that keeps them from 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 treating those cases. I mean, you mean to tell me that organizations that may or may not have been founded by ex-SS officers will have Nazi tendencies? Ah, sounds a little far-fetched, far-fetched to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, any, any kind of like... Um, quick look at any of those cases has come out in the last few years from the NSU to the assassination of Lubke um, in Kassel like two years ago to all these networks you know it's just like you scratch a little bit in the surface and it's just like phenomenal how much stuff we find in there right (laughs) and it's like for me like coming from a different country like being in, being, being in, in Germany and watching this you know the kind of you know unfold in front of me I really don't get it I do not understand you know, for me, I have like questions like, how is it possible that a top member of the CDU, of the ruling party, gets assassinated in his garden, right, yeah. on a Saturday night, and the prime minister does not even make a statement about it for a month? How yeah. this thing is even possible, right? It's just like, it's just like you know, coming from somewhere else, it's just like incomprehensible. But you know, it is what it is, and yeah. um, this is the situation we're in. Maybe the case of, of Greece um, is gonna trigger some kind of like wider responses. I mean, I read in The Guardian yesterday that um, it might actually be historically true that the, 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 the Greek case was the first ever um, large-scale Nazi kind of criminal case after Nuremberg yeah. in the whole world mm-hmm. because of the amount of like of, 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 of the defendants and the amount of and, and, and the kind of very prominent ideological aspect of it. Um, you know, it marks it marks something. You know, and, and and despite the fact, this is another thing I want to say. Despite the fact that the right wing government in Greece at the moment is trying to gain credit for it, I think the the consequences of having such a historical kind of decision are far beyond what they could use for their own political purposes. I think there is something significant about that. Again, in conjunction with the fact that there was a very wide movement, you know, pressuring from below yeah. to make sure that this is going to be the result and not something else. Yeah, I remember even seeing the like Twitter site, uh, Twitter Twitter pages like uh, Golden Dawn Watch and stuff like that popping up that yeah. every single day the ones, yeah. in multiple languages, letting you know then what what yeah, was going yeah. on. And I mean, phenomenal, amazing work. Yeah. That, yeah, the last point I would say maybe the the one thing to keep in mind, which makes it uh, different or, or makes it kind of less easy to draw like really positive conclusions yeah. or positive like um, things about other neo-Nazi or far-right movements that are, that, as you said, that are increasing everywhere. One of the reasons that it was, it was possible to try um, Golden Dawn as a criminal organization and to find them one is because they were a criminal organization, right? They were not a party that was like also, you know, some of its members got involved. They were probably a criminal organization. This is not always the case, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you have a lot of far-right movements that are basically, you know, they don't have assault squads, they don't go around stabbing people, but their message is very much similar. You know, the, the, the kind of understanding of the world and the way they position themselves in it are very similar. So um, the, the fact that Golden Dawn was such a stupidly, you know, created um, criminal organization, because they were also involved in like in extortions, you know, there was some kind of illegal activities, you know, of other types, like, um, you know, whatever. Um, they made it easier, you know, to, to deal with them in, on a legal basis. And you cannot like simply kind of, you know, extrapolate that example and use it in other countries precisely because many of those far-right movements that are like, emerging in other places, not, all, not always, some of them are, right? But a lot of them are not. They're, they are proper political parties and, you know, with a far-right ideology and the disgusting in their own sense. But, um, you know, so... It wouldn't be possible to do a similar thing. Like, I couldn't imagine like the IFD ever being brought. Yeah, no, of course not. I neither could I. That was actually the first thing that went in my in my head of it'll never work for a party like them. They're not. They're not. They're not enough of thugs in the AFD. But uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, just once again thank you so much, Pavlos, for coming on. Um, where can our listeners find you? Um, anything that you want to promote? Um. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm on Twitter. Um, and I wrote this book, as you said, and people can find information on, on Twitter about it. Um, I wrote this book a couple of years ago. It was published about the Greek crisis and the movement, social movements that um, emerged against it and, and the, the defeat, the eventual defeat of it. Um, it. It's not a very happy read, but uh, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would recommend it 
if if people want to get a clear idea of what happened in Greece. Okay. What's and, the book and I do start. It's called A Happy Future is a Thing of the Past. Uh, we should let, let you know, know that it's not a happy book, book so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. But it's yeah, it's a, a happy future is a thing of the past on the Greek crisis and other disasters. That's the subtitle. Um, and yeah, I'm on Twitter on um, at p rufos r o u f o s. Um, I've got a Twitter account so people can check you out. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot for inviting me and um, thank you for coming I enjoy, on. I enjoyed that talk. Yeah.